This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review, speaking with Gary Blair, Texas A&M Women's Basketball Program. Uh, he won't like me saying it, but an icon, women's basketball. Coach, thank you for your time. Let's get right into it. What do you? What's the outlook for the Aggies in the eighteen nineteen season? In your opinion? Well, first that that term icon. I don't know. How about the term I can? I can coach this game. I can give back to the game, and I can recruit this game. And I've got a great platform to do it. And let's just use the the term. I go back to what J.J. Watt did on raising all that money for the the hurricane and everything. We can. Now, can we do it this year in Texas A&M? We lost four starters. and But I've got the nation's number one freshman back, Kennedy Carter, playing for us. We got a strong class of nine sophomores, two juniors and two seniors. So we're not just coming off of the of the tugboat. I mean, we've got kids that have played ball before, and now what we got to do is put kids in new situations where they're going to have to score some points. We lost a lot of points and a lot of rebounds and a lot of leadership. But this is what A&M is built on, whether you're a student athlete or not. A&M is built on leadership. And that's what we strive for, just on that regular student who's an engineer major or that young lady that wants to be a nurse or a teacher. It's all about leadership, and I think we can do it. I think you're seeing that in our football program with Jimbo Fisher. I hang on every word that he says. He talks a little bit fast for me, but, my gosh, he gets a lot said in a short amount of time, and then he backs it up. So what he is doing for football has rejuvenated me for basketball, okay? It's not what we don't have. It's what we have. And there's a whole lot of people that would love to be starting a year with Kennedy Carter as your starting point guard and with a cast of kids that are going to develop into stars. That's what we do here. We've been to 13 straight NCAA tournaments, three Elite Eights, five Sweet Sixteens, and a national championship. So we're not going away. I'm not saying we're going to win the national championship, but we're going to help decide the national championship. And that's all we do. We compete to be the best and hope to get hot in the playoffs at the SEC tournament and hopefully the NCAA tournament again. So don't tell me what we've lost. I'm going to tell you what we have. And what we have is a group that really bonded together this summer and got along with bringing in five new kids. And all of a sudden, every one of them are experienced. And so we've got to develop those kids. That's the number one thing that we do. We might lose some kids in recruiting. But what we do, we develop the kids that we have. That's our strength. My coaches didn't graduate. They're all back. The tradition never graduates at A&M. It's always here. And the talent is here. 
So do we expect to win? Of course we do. Are we going to win every game? Probably not. But we're going to compete to win every game, and we're going to develop those young ladies as we go. What would you like uh, to see in, in Kennedy Carter's game her sophomore season that she did not show, if anything, she didn't show in the freshman season? Well, the one thing, when you lose four starters, she's going to be double-teamed and deny the ball back to her every time she gives it up. Because until the other young ladies on my team step up and learn how to be prolific scores and double-figure scores, that's what we're going to have to do. I mean, we had four kids averaging double figures, not just Kennedy. Kennedy had her 22, but we had Kyla with 15, uh, Danny with 14, and uh, Andrea with 12, and Jazz with 8. So what we're going to do is play a little bit more man-to-man defense than we have did last year because of lack of uh, experience and depth. And we didn't want to get into foul trouble, particularly with Kennedy. But this year, she has the potential to be a great defensive player. Her hands and feet are that good, and her knowledge of the game is that good. She has that potential. But you know what that word potential means. It's sort of like what my Cowboys and Texans did this weekend. Both of us got potential, but we didn't get it done. So... What we're going to have to do is go out there and teach her team defense because the defense behind her, when they can see her pressuring the ball as much as she's as she can do, then it's going to make us better. We're going to get into the passing lanes. We're going to force more turnovers, and then we're going to get into transition and hopefully be able to score instead of plodding along and just running a half-court offense and relying on jump shots. We've always been a team that's balanced our post play with our guard play, and we'll continue to do that. But it all starts with Kennedy making her teammates better, and that's setting them up, giving better passes, finishing up and being more of a vocal leader out there on the court a vocal leader on the court, a vocal leader off the court. And that's the job of a point guard. And I just got finished watching two great football leaders when I watched Tom Brady win. And then when I came back and I watched Aaron Rodgers this weekend from down 20 to nothing come back. That's what leaders and great players do. They never panic. They find a way to win at the end. How how much uh, practice time is allowed in the summer for teams? Well, you're allowed the uh, two hours per week that is supervised. And then now that school starts, we can do four hours with them before we start. Our first initial practice will be September the 25th. Like today at 2.30, I'm working them one hour on offense. And tomorrow at uh, 4 o'clock, they'll have one hour on defense. In between time, they'll do their individual works with their position coach. 
the same time they're doing weights and conditioning and study hall and academics and just being a regular student. There's a lot involved. The most you ever improve as a basketball player is between your freshman and your sophomore year. You see what will work and what won't work. We had five freshmen last year. We had two kids transfer in who were McDonald's All-Americans. And then we had two kids that were redshirted because of injuries. So that leaves me nine kids coming in that are going to be sophomores. And so we're going to see how they develop. And I think it's going to be very important. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, our football team played a lot of sophomores this past week and did pretty good. And in our conference schedule, we got all the big dogs coming here with Tennessee, which uh, which will probably be picked first or second in our league, with South Carolina, with Mississippi State, home and home with Kentucky and LSU, and uh, that's a pretty doggone good home schedule. So people need to line up, get their tickets now. And locally, in terms of Houston schools, I, I know the Aggies are playing Houston in December to open up the Fertitta Center. And mm-hmm. Rice has announced that Aggies are playing Rice as well. I think Rice's first game of the season is against the Aggies yeah. in November. So you also seem to have, as usual, you you always try to pay the local schools also. Well, we are. Rice and Houston give us great rivalries. Uh, the coaching staffs are tremendous. Ron Huey did a great job, won over 20 last year. And I've got a former Aggie, uh, Jamila Ganter, on his coaching staff. So he's got a fine program. And I'm sure he's going to try to pack that house when we come in there. But don't worry, there's a lot of Aggies that live in Houston, too. So I imagine we'll have a good contingent. Rice, my gosh, uh, she's done a tremendous job there at Rice. And they've got uh, Nancy Mulkey, who transferred back, former state champion over <clears throat> over at um, Clear uh, Side Woods. It's six foot nine. She's coming back. She's eligible this year. Uh, they got a lot of veterans, and uh, I think they won 22 games last year. So we're going to have our work cut out, open the season with Rice, and then uh, we've got them. We also have Lamar coming our way, and they were the Southland Conference champions last year, and we always have Prairie View coming our way. So there will be a lot of people around the Houston area get to see a lot of good basketball involved in A&M. How much, I say how much, how, how often do you look at the how the other area schools are doing in terms of just an eye for, you know, benefit of the state, talent in the state, or just how often do you keep up with other programs in the state? keep up with all of them like what i was doing last night was looking at everybody's roster and schedule i underline the key games that they have before they play us or after they play us i look at the rosters and 
And in today's world, you've got to look at the rosters because they're changing even during the year. With all the transfers that are happening and kids changing schools and everything like that, it's hard to know. I didn't like back in the day when I was collecting baseball cards. I knew who Willie Mays was playing for and was going to continue to play for. I knew who Craig Vigio was going to play for. I knew uh, the baseball cards are different now. They're changing teams as much as these college kids are. And it's not good for the game, I promise you. But at the same time, we have to adjust to today's generation. And a lot of times what people have got to do is learn to work through. We sign a kid for four years, and hopefully it'll turn into a 40-year degree from Texas A&M. We're not signing a kid for one year and hope that they get playing time before they transfer out to another school because mom and daddy aren't happy because of playing time or the summer coach wants to move his team. Uh, we're trying to sign kids to come in here, get that Aggie ring, play in the NCAA tournament, and hopefully someday be a professional before they go out into the workplace, just like you and I. And this is what we need to do. We need to work through some of the things. There's no such thing as being successful all the time when you're 18 years old. You've got to experience a little bit of failure. Then pick yourself up and go forward. And this is what this country's built about. This is what A&M's built about. Fall back. Um, I know I had a lot of failure early in my life. And I flunked out of architecture my first year at Texas Tech. So I had to start over. But I stayed at Texas Tech. I didn't transfer to another school. I stayed at Texas Tech and found out what I was good at. And that was kinesiology and journalism. I found out what I was good at, and I made something out of myself. And, yeah, I ate a little bit of humble pie early. But people need to really realize what work ethic is all about. And when I told you my team has nine sophomores, I'm going to determine who wants to not just start as a sophomore, but who wants to graduate from Texas A&M and be with me for four years. Those are the ones I want to hug their necks. Thinking about it, it just occurred to me. I don't believe I've asked you this particular question. How did you get, excuse me, how did you get into coaching? What, Got you the coaching bug. <clears throat> uh, I ran out of ability as a baseball player as a walk-on at Texas Tech first. Okay, well, I was 128 pounds and six foot tall, so and couldn't hit the slider. And that had a lot to do with it, but not my desire. So I got involved in intramurals, and I found all the different sports that I could communicate. And all of a sudden, I found out everybody wanted me to be the coach on the intramural teams. And so then I went in the Marine Corps. In the Marine Corps, I did the same thing. I played a little intramurals in, in the Marine Corps. 
and management was my style and I could manage people. As soon as I got out of the Marine Corps in December of 1970, I sprinted back to tech, finished my last year of college, went straight into coaching at Dallas South Oak Cliff. I went straight into teaching at South Oak Cliff because there was no coaching jobs available. So I was a physical education teacher that first year, ran the intramural program, coached the golf team because they didn't have a golf team back then. And so I got started. Then the next year, Title IX started, and they wanted somebody to coach women's athletics. And the girls came over next door and asked me if I would coach them because the two women PE teachers did drill team and cheerleading. And so that's how I got started. And that was the best move I ever made. And then that was in 73, 74, and then 77, we won our first state championship. And I got asked to be the head baseball coach and coordinator, offensive coordinator on the football team. Turned it down to stay with the women's basketball. And then the rest, as Paul Harvey would say, is history. <laughs> if you even know who Paul yes, Harvey Oh, yes, sir. I, I was going to match you when you said the rest is history. Yes, sir. And then, if you really want to know, I've got a book out called The Coaching Life. You can get it at most Barnes & Nobles or Amazon.com, or you can call my office, and I'll tell you all about failure and success and picking your way up and not having a lot of money and teaching for $7,000 my first year. So I can tell you what that's all about. But we've all had stories, but the stories are what makes us, okay? And the people, who did we learn from? Who were our mentors? Who made us better? And all the kids that I've coached over the years have made me better. And people today say, what was your best job? My best job was my first job, Dallas South Oak Cliff High School, because that was a cultural change for me. The high school integration hit in 68. I got there in 72. And I felt needed. They needed me, and I needed them. And that's where I got the confidence to do what I'm doing today. But I still keep up with my South Oak Cliff girls. And I lost three of them last year to cancer. Three kids that were all around 50 to 52 years old. So it's been tough. I lost a great player from Arkansas this summer to cancer, India Lewis. So... It's sad that sometimes you go to more funerals at my age than you go to weddings. Mm -hmm. Then it really hurts when those are the kids that have helped make me who I am is these kids who were a whole lot better players than I was when I was their age. Let's lighten it up a little bit on, on two fronts. First, Coach I've seen, and I'm sure if people who follow you or Coach Kelly Bond on Twitter, seen the dancing. How did that come about? 
Did it take much arm twisting to get you to do that dance move with the team? Let me say, hopefully the next dance move I make will be like we did when we won the national championship. And Sidney Colson and Sidney Carter had me do the ducky <laughs> in front of Holly Rowe on stage when, Coach, how do you feel about doing the national championship? And I did a poor man's version of the ducky. I remember. I just learned. Okay. Well, that embarrassed my family. But uh, they told me, don't ever do that again. (laughs) And so what happened on that thing that Kelly sent? I had no idea it was going to be sent. We, (laughs) We had a recruit on campus. We were doing a thing at the new hotel over here on campus. It just opened up that week. And we were having those one-minute games mm-hmm. that, and that one was called Junk in the Trunk, where you put a Kleenex box behind you and you put seven uh, ping-pong balls in the in the thing, and you're supposed to shake it and make those balls come out. Obviously, I came in last place. I don't know why I came in last place because I had a lot of junk in my trunk. (laughs) (laughs) Needed to lose weight, but I just didn't have the moves. But I promise you, I will never, never do that one minute thing again. I'll do some others with the kids, but I will not do that one because that went viral. And that was worse than my ducky. My ducky (laughs) was better than that. And on another lighter note, where did you begin the tossing out candy before the games? Copied it from Van Chancellor for the comics. Okay. Van used to do it as he would come out. Mm -hmm. He would do it on the first 10 rows where all the fat cats were. Okay. And he would throw that candy in. When I started doing it, we didn't have that many people in the stands. So I went from the floor to the top throwing out candy and my older people loved it the idea was to throw it to kids but they were over in my kids court playing until game time and there wasn't as many kids in the audience as it was my gray hairs no hairs and blue hairs my 55 to 85 crowd so people would learn to be early to ball games instead of showing up at game time to get candy so I go around, the only time I've got to have help is on elementary school day. And then I'll have a few little elves that will help me, former players or something, get in the stands and help throw candy out to the 8,000 that come in. So it's been a fun deal, and I think it helps people relate to me as a person, not just as a coach. And a lot of times I, I don't have time to take selfies, but I'll do it every now and then. But I try to go up as quick as I can. And, you know, I, I learned a lot about throwing candy by back in the day when I in Los Angeles. I used to see the guy out there at Dodger Stadium be able to throw hot dogs and throw them underneath. And this guy was a magician at doing it. And, and peanuts, 
peanuts and hot dogs he could throw. So I learned how to throw it underarm and snap it. And usually I can hit you between the eyes. So you better be looking when my candy comes at you. How how much longer do you plan to coach? That as long as you have your radio show, I'm going to go as long as you go. And you're a lot younger than I am. What am I going to do when I, if I retire? All I can do is play golf. My handicap's still a 10. Okay, I can't fix anything around the house. <laughs> I'm horrible at that. I can only cook a little bit of steak on the grill or hamburger, and I can fix a mean BLT uh, sandwich, so I don't cook a whole lot. So I enjoy what I do. Uh, when's Brady going to retire? 41 is about like 73 in coaching. And he's still getting it done. I could see you in TV. No, no, no. I talk too slow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm learning how to talk faster by Jimbo. Okay. Uh, But Jimbo can get more said in a two-minute conversation. This interview has taken about 40 minutes to get all this stuff done. And Jimbo could have had it done in 10 minutes. One last thing. And I always enjoy talking to you, so thank you very much for taking time to do this. Just give me an overall assessment of the women's college basketball. Oh, I got one more thing after that. Women's college basketball, you know, teams you think – are going to be good. Anybody may surprise you, somebody, something like that. And then final question is your thoughts on the WNBA uh, finals. Well, the WNBA finals, I wanted to go five games and I'd love for my friend Dan Hughes to win, to beat my other friend, Mike Tebow. Okay. Dan did so much in San Antonio and he's coached a number of my kids. And so that's why I've got to pull for him first. And I pull for Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart. I pull for the Howard kid. I pull for Danielle Canada, who beat us two years ago in the NCAA tournament. So I'm pulling for those. But the the WNBA basketball playoffs make you proud of our game. Back when the Comets were winning, hey, it was good back then. But I guarantee you, it is a twice as good as it was back then because kids are playing better defense now, not just offense. The coaching is better. The kids are taking care of their body. The girls are having to play 10 months a year, sometimes 10 and a half, 11 months, because they got to make their money overseas, at least the top WNBA players, to make up for what they're not getting in the WNBA. What their salary in the WNBA they're getting is like Uber money for the NBA guys. But it is what it is because we cannot move the WNBA to the fall schedule because there's not enough facilities and there's not enough time for men and women's basketball and football to all be played at the same time. So they have to use the summer. And our problem is we're not putting enough butts in the seats during the regular games. 
but we are putting the butts in the seats during the playoff games, and that's given us exposure to just how good the game is. All right, you said who's the top college teams? Uh, Notre Dame and Connecticut are both loaded. The SEC is going to be <clears throat> a crapshoot because all of us graduated or had players transfer. And you're going to have to wait until January to figure out who's got who. Depends on who's playing the good non-conference schedules. So don't be caught up with fool's goal and see somebody 13-0 and and they hadn't played a single BCS school. Okay, so wait around to see when those first conference games get going. We've just got a little team called South Carolina as our first conference game. Mm-hmm. So. Just like we did last year, we went into Columbia, lost by two in the last second shot. So we want to peek towards that. But I really like in the SEC, uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Georgia, ourselves, and Missouri. I would say those teams had the most coming back. And none of their coaches graduated either. <laughs> As always, Gary Blair, it's it's, it's my pleasure to uh, speak with you. And um, I may try to talk to Coach uh, Kelly Bond see if she can take another video of you doing some dancing or something like that. No, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lie low now. I'm lying low now. Uh, I'm in the recruiting mode and teaching mode. I got to get ready for a 2:30 workout today. I've got to put in a little bit of my offense. Got to watch my sophomores grow. And uh, speaking of growing, I'm driving into Houston yesterday to recruit, and I'm seeing over there by Prairie View all the cricket fields that are being built. Really? I thought it might be lacrosse. It's the world's largest cricket fields. They've got 14 fields, two of them lighted. That's going to be interesting. Hmm. So all of a sudden, I always wanted to try to play cricket. Maybe I could hit the slider better than I could in baseball. I'd like to try it one time. But besides Bucky's, who's owned by Nagy, <laughs> you got those cricket fields coming up. <laughs> So you got a lot of things happening. So let's get that uh, college basketball. Let's get the Final Four there. Let's get the cricket fields going. And uh, let's enjoy all the schools around Houston. And let's just have a good year. I think the Aggies will. And and I'm going to see you a few times for sure this season. I know I've I've said that before, but I definitely will see you a few times this season. So, uh, All right. Remember, I'll retire when you retire, and you're a whole lot younger. Okay? Yes, so sir. Let's keep going. I've gotten – I'm in no hurry, baby. No, no hurry. Okay. Sounds good to me. Coach Gary Blair, thank All you right. once again. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.